Good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see each of you here, and I'm glad you're with us. And if you're new to NCC, or if you're watching later this week online for the first time, we want to welcome you and say thanks so much for joining with us. And if I haven't personally met you yet, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're so glad that you're with us this morning. And um, just a little bit about myself, I've been the lead pastor here about four and a half years. Um, I am married to the most beautiful woman in the world, Sarah, my wife. We've been married for 20 years. Um, I have eight kids, which makes our life a little bit crazy. And for those of you that know me, maybe you're saying, Aaron, why are you telling us all this stuff? It's because I'm excited about this brand new series that we're in. Just as I've mentioned, I have a lot going on in my life. My life is pretty crazy and chaotic at times. And we're going to talk through this series about how do we protect different areas of my life. And I don't get an exemption or I don't get a pass just because I'm a pastor. Um, I have things that come at my life, things that want to destroy my life. And just like you, I face obstacles. And so I'm excited about this series because I'm believing that just like you, God is going to speak to my life. And God's going to challenge me in, my, in some areas of my life. And together as a church, we're going to grow at creating boundaries and creating protection in our life from things that want to destroy us. And so we're going to look at our faith. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at our family, our finances, our thought patterns. So in our mind, how do we protect ourselves against um, negative thoughts that would come in? And we've got some guest speakers that are going to speak to us throughout this series, and it is going to be a great time. I'm really excited about all that God is going to do in this series. And as we walk through this every week, we want to encourage you with a resource, and um, we want to give you something that's going to challenge you in your growth with God. And so this week, we've got it up on the slides. You can write this down. Um, but it's this book right here, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I cannot recommend this book enough. I started reading it a few weeks ago. I text Sarah right away and said, man, God is slapping me across the face with this book. These are some things that I need to hear that I need to be challenged in. And so this is a great resource as we look at how do we life-proof our relationship with God? How do we grow in our spirituality and some great practical things? And so I bought this for a few of my kids. And I said, we're going to read this together and go through it as a family because I believe it's challenging. And so I want to give a few of these away this morning. So this is how we're going to do this. If you've been serving God for more than 10 years, go ahead and stand up. More than 10 years, go ahead and stand up. Okay, more than 15 years, stay standing. If it's less than 15, go ahead and grab a seat. Okay, this is a lot harder than I thought. More than 20. More than 25, stay standing. More than 30, stay standing. More than 40, stay standing. More than 50, stay standing. You guys, this is amazing. 55, stay standing. Are we down? We're down to two. Okay, give them a hand. Oh, no, Karen, I'm sorry. Here, I've got an extra one for you right here. Let me toss that, okay? That's another one I've got. Okay. But now we're going to flip that. If you've been serving God, you're new to faith, or maybe you've recommitted your life in the past few years, two years or less, go ahead and stand up. Two years or less, go ahead and stand up. Okay, hold on, because we're going to walk this down. Less than a year? Less than eight months? Okay. Less than seven and a half. Okay, let's go here, Caleb, and I think over here. Yep, we'll do that. So here and here, let's give them a hand. 
You guys want to challenge you, if, even if you didn't get one of these this morning, grab one of these. It's a great resource. As we look at that, how do we life-proof our relationship with God? How do we grow in that area of our life? Because there are things that want to destroy your relationship with God. And I'm going to start with this just simple, very simple statement of this is your relationship with God is worth protecting. And that may seem kind of like a no-brainer, like, of course, Aaron, my relationship with God is worth protecting. But we buy, you know, iPhone cases or smart um, phone cases for our devices to protect those, to make sure that when they fall, the screen doesn't crack. We have airbags in our vehicles, right? Because we value our family or you value your life. I saw someone driving yesterday and it said, um, no airbags in this vehicle. We die like real men. It's kind of funny, but I don't know if it was that smart, okay? Because we should protect what it is that we value. And we should value our relationship with the God enough to protect it. Because there are things that want to destroy your relationship with God. And church, I know this, having served God for more than 20 years, I know this in my life, that as I follow after God, there is a real enemy out there that wants to destroy me. And how is he going to do it? He's not just going to attack my marriage or attack my family or my finances. He will start with my relationship with God. Because out of this relationship right here, everything else flows. And so my emotional health, my mental health, even my physical body, I believe just um, how I take care of myself, it's connected to my relationship with God. And so this is worth protecting. This is worth guarding because there are things that want to come in and destroy your relationship with God. And it, maybe you think, well, Aaron, I know what those things are, right? It's sin. And we probably each kind of have our list of big sin. Well, I didn't murder anyone this week. I'm doing good, okay? And my relationship with God is good. I, I try not to lie and steal from anyone. And so we have these lists of things, and those are the obvious. Sin will destroy and sin will wreck your relationship with God. But sometimes there's things that maybe we don't see. I remember the year was 1993. I was in high school. You guys can kind of figure out my age range around that point, okay? And a new movie came out. It was a blockbuster of the summer. It came out June of that year. It was Jurassic Park. And I was so excited for that movie. I had read the book already, Michael Crichton's book. I had read that book and, and I loved it. And so I thought, man, the movie's going to be good. I love the science. I love dinosaurs. A little disclaimer, there will be a spoiler that I'm about to tell you. So if you've been saving this movie for 20 some years, I'm about to ruin it for you this morning. Okay. So there's these dinosaurs. Obviously they get loose on the park. You find out early on one of the main dinosaurs or main characters, if you will, is the Velociraptor. And it hunts in packs. And I remember this intense moment in the movie where the dinosaurs are loose and there's this kind of a master hunter guy who's hunted all over the world. And now he's here in this park and he's trying to protect someone. And he's got the velociraptor in his sight. Maybe you guys remember this. And he unloads his rifle and the velociraptor is kind of looking at him. He's staring through the bushes and he thinks, I'm going to take this out. And in that moment, I think he's got a rifle. This is a dinosaur, right? Like there's no way the thing's going to run at him. It's going to attack him. When all of a sudden the camera pans, you hear something in the bushes and you see this. He did not see the other velociraptor. There wasn't just one. There was one coming from the side and all as he has time to get out is clever girl. And then the thing comes from the side and it attacks him. And what he saw in front of him was distracting from what was about to attack him from the side. And I was kind of mesmerized in that moment. It was this iconic moment in the film because you saw how smart these dinosaurs were, or I guess they thought they were in the movie or they were portrayed like that. And I thought, you know what? It's like that in our life. 
that sometimes there are distractions right in front of us and we're focused in on that, that we don't see the other things that the enemy wants to do in your life and in my life to destroy us. And there are things that the enemy wants to do and we see this in God's word that he is gonna try to bring in your life because he wants to take down your relationship with God. He doesn't want you to end this race that you're running, the race of life well. He wants you to fail. He wants to destroy you. God's word says that he's come to kill, steal, and destroy as it comes to our relationship with God. And so we have to have these protections in our life. So what is it? What is it that will derail you? What is it that will attack and try to destroy your faith in your relationship with God? Well, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us an explanation And he kind of gives us a list to walk through. And so we're going to look at this. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start reading at verse 18. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can grab that blue Bible. It's on page 478. Turn to page 478. I want to encourage everyone in the room to have God's word open because what I'm about to give you this morning isn't just my opinion. We see this in God's word, and so we want to read this together. And once you have that, go ahead and hold on to that for just a moment. And in case you're unfamiliar with Matthew, Matthew is one of these 12 disciples that followed Jesus around while he was in ministry. And Matthew gives us a detailed account of the life of Jesus. And so he tells us about what Jesus taught, the miracles that Jesus did, what he performed while he was here on this earth. That's what Matthew writes about in this book. And in chapter 13, we're in a setting just like this. Matthew invites us into the story and Jesus was teaching in a moment like this and he's teaching parables. And in case that word's foreign to you, parables are just stories with a lesson tied to them. And so Jesus is telling parable after parable and he tells the parable of a farmer. This farmer goes out and it's time to plant seed. And so he reaches into his bag and he's throwing seed in the different areas that he's walking through. And so he throws seed along a path, but birds come and they eat up the seed. And then he's walking along the road and he throws some seed on the ground, but it's rocky ground. It's really hard. And so although it starts to sprout up, it doesn't really survive. He throws seed among some bushes and among some other plants and the the thorns kind of choke out that seed. And then he throws seed on good soil. And it produces a harvest. And the disciples, after Jesus has explained this, they take him off to the side and they're like, we don't get it, Jesus. What is it that you're trying to say through this parable? What are you trying to teach us through this story? And this is where we pick up the conversation in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. This is how it, this is how it starts. Here then the parable of the sower, the parable of the farmer. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one Satan comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what has been sown along the path. So he says, hey, when you don't understand what it is that God is doing, the word of the kingdom, then the evil one comes and snatches that. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He's so excited, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, And it indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. 
What is it that Jesus is trying to explain? What is it that he's trying to teach his disciples? Well, he's telling them there are some things that will destroy God's work in your life, your personal relationship with God. As God's word comes into your life, there are some things that will try to wreck that. There are some things that will try to destroy that. And so he's explaining to them, God is the farmer. God's word is the seed that's planted in our life. But our life is the soil. Our heart is the soil. And if we're not careful, if we don't life-proof our relationship with God, some of these things that Jesus is talking about, this will happen to us. As we receive God's word, as we're walking in this relationship with God, there are things that will come and destroy them. So what is it? What is it that we need to life-proof against? Well, the first is we can be destroyed by a lack of understanding. You and I, we can be destroyed by a lack of understanding. That's what Jesus has said. This first person, when the seed is thrown along the pathway, he doesn't understand what God's kingdom is really about. He doesn't understand the word of God. He doesn't understand what this relationship means. And so the enemy, Satan, comes and he snatches that away from a lack of understanding. Maybe you're thinking, Aaron, what exactly does that mean? Let me give you some examples of that because maybe you've heard other people say them, maybe you've struggled with this in your life. It's when you first come to Christ and you sit in a service like this and you hear a message and something's happening inside of you. You think, man, I feel something. I've not felt this before. Like this seems different. I, I think I need a change in my life. And so you come forward, but you come with an understanding of God is gonna make my life better. And man, things aren't going really that well. But if I come to Christ, then my life will be perfect and everything is good. I need Christianity. I need God in my life because everything will be good. You have not understood what the kingdom of heaven is really about because you don't come to Christ because you want everything to be perfect, because you want everything to be easy. I've said it before. This is not the easiest way to live your life. Following after Jesus is not a bed of roses. Everything isn't perfect. Jesus even says that. You're going to face trouble. You're going to face difficulty. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so those of us that come to Christ thinking, okay, everything's going to be easy now. Yes, everything's going to work out perfect. That's a misunderstanding. The enemy uses that deceit to snatch up what God wants to do inside of our life. If you come to Christ and you think, hey, I'm coming to Christ because God will give me what I want, right? That's what this is about. God's that rich uncle in the sky. And whenever I need anything, I just go to him and I just pray a quick prayer. And then I get whatever it is I need. And that's why I come to Jesus. Everything's going to work out good now. And we have this understanding that God will give us what we want. That's not why we're in a relationship with God. This is not a relationship where I'm in it to get something out of it. That's not what this is about. And whenever we buy into that lie, whenever we have a misunderstanding, that's what my relationship with God is about. God will give me what I want. The enemy uses that and he destroys the relationship that God wants to build with us. How about this? Some of us, we come and we think, yes, I'll try on Christianity. And we treat it like a store in the mall. We go into the Gap or Old Navy. We come into church Hey, that sounds like a pretty good teaching, and we'll see if it fits. We'll kind of try it on. Hey, does this work out? And and I'll give it a try. I'll see if it works for me. And you guys, you have misunderstood what having a relationship with Jesus is about. This is not adding something to your life. You don't come to Jesus because, yeah, maybe I need something different. I just need a little extra boost in my life. That's not why you come to Christ. 
See, that's a lie of the enemy, and he uses those lies that we can believe in to snatch that away. You don't come to Jesus because your life just needs a little energy boost, okay? He's a little caffeine kick in your spirituality. That's not why you come. You come because you're dead, and because I'm dead in my sin, and my life is broken, and my life is a mess, and I come to Jesus not because I want to add something to my life, because I have nothing that is working, and so I'm willing to lay it all down. That's what this relationship is about. I'm willing to lay it all down, to give up everything that I have for all that God is. And when we come with these other misunderstandings of what, God, of what a relationship with God is about, God's word is snatched from our life. That relationship is not there inside of us. And so the enemy uses that to destroy us. He uses it to deceive you that you actually have a relationship when you don't understand what it means to follow after God. And we have to life-proof ourselves against that. Jesus goes on and he says, not only are you destroyed by a lack of understanding, but you can be destroyed by difficulties. And you come and there's excitement in your heart. Yes, God, I'm going to serve you. This is so great. God, I love you. And then what happens? You go to your family Hey, I want to share with you what God's doing in my life. And they say, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. And all of a sudden you thought, man, that's not the reaction I thought I would get. And students, you go to school and people begin to watch you once they know you're a Christian. And they say, wait, wait a minute. You're a hypocrite, right? Because you're not perfect. I thought you went to church. I thought you were a Christian, but I see you mess up and I see you make mistakes. And all of a sudden you feel persecuted and you think, I can't do this. Like things become difficult. You thought, hey, serving God, it's going to work out okay. But you get that phone call from the doctor about yourself or about a loved one. And they say, hey, this is probably going to end in a terminal diagnosis. We don't, we don't have the answer here. And you're thinking, wait, this is what I signed? This is what faith is about? Or you think, God, you're going to take care of me, but you lose your job. Or your pay gets reduced and you think, wait, this is what this relationship was about. Jesus said there are trials that will come into your life. There are difficulties that will come your way. And the enemy will use that to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to break through the faith that you have in Christ. And he wants to show you all of these things that are happening. And it becomes difficult. And that's why you have to go beyond just the surface level Christianity. That's why it's got to be more, church, than a Sunday morning spirituality. God, I come into this place, and I sing some songs, and I hear your word, and then I go out and do my own thing. That does not work in our relationship with God. That is not a good boundary to have in your life that will protect you from the devastating difficulty that we face. We need something that goes beyond the surface. That's The problem is that plant could not dig roots down into the ground. And that's what Jesus is saying. Your relationship with God, God's word working inside of you, it better be beyond just the surface because things are gonna come in your life. Difficulty, rain, and, and storms are gonna come inside of your life and it better be able to stand up against the difficulties that you're gonna face, against the hard things. These things want to destroy you. Another thing that he gives us is you can be destroyed by dollars. Just trying to rhyme there with the D and the D, okay? Destroyed by dollars. What does he say? He says, it's the riches of this life. It's the cares of this world. And so I'm going along. God, I want to serve you. I want to follow after you. Your word's inside of me. God, we have this relationship. But all of a sudden, I get sidetracked with other things. 
Jesus, man, I, I love you, but I just don't have a lot of extra time right now. God, you see how much work is, God, and I've got to earn money, Lord, and I've got to make more, and I've got to make more, and I've got to get this promotion. And so, God, after this season, once I get to this level, once my business gets to this point, right, once I get this title in my workplace, once I hit this income level, God, then I'll have more time to love you and to serve you and to develop my relationship. You could get destroyed by dollars. Or the cares of this world. How about this one? Well, Aaron, I'm single and I want to be in a relationship, but I can't do that and be a Christian. Like I see everyone, no one in the world is going to want me if I'm following what the Bible says and the cares of this world begin to pull you away. I can't serve God and actually live in the real practical world. Like it doesn't work in dating relationships. It doesn't work even in friendships or in other things. Like, like the Bible just doesn't work in our world. And so the cares of this world, what do they do? They begin to destroy you. They want to attack your relationship with God. They want to tear away at it and snatch away what God wants to plant inside of you, the deep work that God wants to do in your life. There are all these things that the enemy, that the world around us is trying to do to destroy our relationship with God. So how do we life-proof ourselves against difficulties, against the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world? How, how do we do it against the lack of understanding? Well, God's word tells us this. If you still have your Bibles open or you can write this down, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 and verse 24 says it like this, put away your old self that you may put on your new self to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So how do I life-proof my faith with God? How do I life-proof my relationship with God? How do I set up these boundaries and these guides in my life to make sure other things are not creeping in and destroying them? Well, God's word is very practical. It says, put away your old self that you may put on your new self. How am I protected? I'm protected by identity. I'm protected by this understanding of who I am in Christ. What do I mean by that? When I first started this message, how did I describe myself to you? Been a pastor for four and a half years. I'm married for 20 years to a beautiful woman. I have eight kids. I'm telling you all of these things that I do in my life. But that's not really all that I am. And my question for you this morning is, where is your identity found in? You want to protect your relationship with God? Where is your identity found in? There's nothing wrong by conversing and telling people, hey, this is what I do for a living. But if I don't have an understanding of who I am with Christ, who I am in my relationship with God, that relationship will very quickly fall away. It'll crumble. It'll be destroyed. It's open to attack from the enemy and from other things. If I do not understand who I am in a right relationship with God, who I am, what God says about me, if that's not the primary thing in my life that drives me and motivates me, my life is open to attack and I'm protected by identity when I understand who I am in Christ. I heard this story that I was reading in, in this book that we gave away this morning, and it was about a well-known Christian author. Her name is Sheila Walsh, and she shares this story, and she hosted one of the um, well-known national Christian TV shows, The 700 Club, and she said, I felt like something was off in my life, but I couldn't pinpoint it. I couldn't identify it. I didn't know what it was, and so I found myself awake one morning having them do my makeup. I was preparing for the show. I interviewed one of the most well-known Christian leaders. I'm dressed in beautiful clothes. I'm sitting in front of the camera. And that evening, I've lost it. My whole world has crumbled. And I'm in a mental hospital. 
And the Christian counselor that's working with me said, who are you? And she said, well, I thought you would know me. I'm Sheila Walsh. I host the 700 Club. And the Christian counselor said, no, who are you? And she said, well, I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I'm a Christian author. I write books. I'm a spiritual leader. I'm well-known. I speak at conferences. And she said, no, who are you? And Sheila said, I don't know. And she said, that's right. That's why you're here. We're here to rebuild your identity on Christ and not what you do. See, church, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are, how long you've served God. If your identity is not founded in Christ, your relationship with God is susceptible to attack. It will crumble. It will be destroyed if you are not protected by identity. What is it that this writer in Ephesians says? I take off my old self, who I was, what was said about me, and I put on a new self. Now I am identified in Christ. I am now reflecting his likeness, the holiness, and the righteousness of God. That's who I am. And I've seen so many Christians, I've talked with so many individuals that are following God and they've been following him for years, but they still identify themselves. Hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Hey, it's this sin in my life. Even talking with individuals as they wrestle with issues of sexuality and identity, they're, uh, they're um, saying my identity is found in this when it should not be. It's found in Jesus. That's where we start, church. Not with the sin in my life, not with the things that I do, but who I am in Christ. Everything else flows out of that one thing, who I am in Christ. You want to protect your relationship with God? Then you start by understanding, this is who I am, God. This is what you said about me. And so before I ever became a pastor, even before I got married, before I became a parent, before I chose an occupation, before you chose any of that, God saw your life and he spoke some things over you. You are his son. You are his daughter. He's created you to be in relationship with him. That's where the identity comes in. And all of a sudden, when the world's pulling at my life, saying you have to be like this, I'm standing protected because I know, no, this is who I am in Christ. When things around me are trying to pull at my life, right? When devastation comes, when difficulty comes, and they say, hey, you're, you're a cancer patient, you're this, whatever that diagnosis is, I remember first and foremost, I am God's. That's who I am, church. That's where my identity is found. That's where it all starts. That's what protects me from the attacks of the enemy around my life. What else protects us? And this is just the practical that I want to close with this morning is to look at this in your life. You're protected by practices. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, you may be familiar with this verse. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're protected by practices. What do I mean by that? is before I came to Christ, there was some patterns in my life. There were some mental things that I would do, right? To cope with the things around me, to get by, to get through stressful situations. There were patterns and practices that I had in my life. But whenever I came to Christ, I got rid of those things. And I introduced new practices into my life. So now when I face stress, I don't have to try to fix it on my own. I don't have to try to lie myself out of a situation or figure my own way out. Now I come to Jesus and I say, God, I realize you're in control. So prayer has replaced some previous patterns inside of my life. 
Some of you, whenever you were facing difficulty and you felt down or you felt depressed, you needed something else. It could be alcohol, it could be sexual fulfillment, it could be something else that you needed in your life. For some of us, it was food, and we were going to that saying, there's an emptiness and I need something to fill it because I don't feel satisfied. But now that I'm in Christ, I've left some old things behind. And now, when I sense that in my life, I'm not looking for something to fulfill that because I understand, God, it's in your presence is joy forevermore. At your right hand is pleasures everlasting, God. And so now I'm coming to him. What have I done? I've replaced some old patterns in my life with some new practices that are keeping me and protecting me in my relationship with God. Now, here's the dangerous thing. For some of us, we grew up in a church setting, or maybe you grew up in a, in a spiritual household where they told you, hey, that determines how God sees you and how much God loves you, and that's not right. I don't do these practices because on the day that I do them, somehow God loves me more, or he accepts me more, and on the days that I forget that God is somehow angry with me and I'm in danger of going to hell, that's not how this relationship works. I don't do them because it's some religious checklist and somehow I'm more likely to go to heaven if I've prayed today or if I've read my Bible. I do these, why? Because the most important thing in my life is my relationship with God. And I know that these practices are what allow me to spend time with him. The practice is not the end, so it's not like I prayed, I'm done. The prayer is just the avenue that gets me into a closer relationship with Jesus. When I open up God's word, it's not so I can say, okay, I checked that off my list. I'm done with that for today. No, I want God to speak to me. I want to know him more. Just like if you're in a relationship with a person, you want to get to know them. So what do you do? You go out on dates. Some of us need to remember that. We just need to date God. We need to read his love letters. We need to spend time with him. We need to hear his voice. We need to invest that in. Those are practices in our life that help us develop that relationship with God. If you don't know where to start, let me give you this simple example right here. I've been working out again. Please tell me you can tell, okay? And here's what happens is I go to the gym. I have my gym bag. I was going to wear these for you today, but I thought that's probably not what you want to see on a Sunday morning. But these are my swim trunks and I get everything ready and I'm standing there on the edge of the pool and I know the water's cold. Okay. And although I enjoy swimming, this is not going to be pleasant. And I have to psych myself up. The most important thing I have to do is not think about the 800 meters that I'm about to swim, not think about the workouts, not think about how fast I just have to jump into the water. You guys, it's that simple. If I can just get into the water as quick as I can after I'm standing on the edge of the pool, I know that everything else is gonna take care of itself. The amount that I have to swim, all of those things that I'm gonna be able to do that. The hardest thing is standing on the edge of the pool, dipping my foot in, saying, how cold is it? It's that moment before I get into it that is so hard, that's so difficult, and that's where many of us are standing. Should I pray five minutes? Should I pray 15 minutes? Should I pray... Should I pray an hour? How should I read the Bible? A verse, a chapter? Do I do a Bible study? Should I do a devotional? We're standing on the edge like, I don't know. And for some of us, you just need to take that first step. What's that practice? 
of saying, God, I want to get closer to you. I want to know you more. I may not be a scholar. I may not have it all figured out, but God, I'm just going to jump in. I'm just going to start having a conversation. I may not know the right words. I may not have a fancy prayer. It may not sound eloquent, God, eloquent, God but I'm just going to jump into the water, Lord, because I want that relationship with you. See, we need those practices in our life. Let me give you one more visual of this that I thought was so powerful. I had to share it this morning. In this book that I was reading about these personal practices in our life, it gave this illustration and it said, in the mid 1800s, there were farmers in the Midwest that during the winter time, they had to go out of their house to the barn to take care of their livestock. But the dangerous thing was across the Midwest, the wind would blow so hard that whenever there was a snowstorm, you literally could not see a few feet in front of your face. And they said, farmers would go out and think, you know what, I've walked this way so many times, I've got this, it's just a barn, like I can, I could normally see it from my front door. And they said, weeks later, they would find them dead in their backyard because they had gotten disoriented in the snowstorm, because they couldn't see around them that they were walking in circles. There were stories and there's historical accounts of farmers two or three yards from their front door laying frozen to death. Right there, so close, but they had lost that direction. And so they had this practice that they did. And it was they would, before the snowstorm would come, before the blizzard, they would tie a rope to their front door, to a post. And then they would walk out to the barn. And once they got close out to the barn, they would take this rope. This is gonna nod up here on me, isn't it? And they would just tie it around the barn door. And so whenever the storm came, all they had to do was hold on to the rope. They didn't have to know where they were going. They didn't have to have it all figured out. They didn't have to be able to see even way far out in front of them. The goal was don't let go of the rope. Don't let go of the rope. Stay holding on to that. And that's how it is in our relationship with God, you guys. These practices, what are they there for? It's not just so you can say, I read my Bible. It's holding on to this, God, that when storms come, when things ram up against me, when the enemy attacks you, and I promise the enemy will attack you, that you're holding on to this and you're saying, God, I'm not going to let go of my relationship with you, God. I'm going to keep going so that things do not destroy me and sidetrack me. And that's what this is about, you guys. That's what I'm challenging you with this morning is that you would not let go of that. And so what are we gonna do this week? We're gonna practice this in a very simple way. We're gonna have times where we pause and where we pray. Where we pause and where we pray. And I know most of you, you guys have this, so you can snap a picture really quick. But what I did, I did this this past week because I knew I was going to ask you and I'm going to do it with you this week. But I already started this is I set five alarms on my phone. It's just a vibrating alarm. It doesn't make a sound, but I'm in a meeting and I have these times where I pause and pray and I just stop and I invite God into that moment. What I found out is I was starting my day with God. And then I'd get to work and things wouldn't go like I wanted. And I'd get home and the kids would have a bad day at school and then dinner time and then things would pile up. And at the end of the day, I was looking around like, God, are you still here? Like, like what happened to this day? And I'm frustrated. And so as I've just introduced this simple practice into my life that Christians have done for thousands of years, some of you may have heard of these called the daily offices, daily prayer times or different things, but it's just pausing 
and saying, God, I want to invite you into my life. I invite you into this moment. And what I've simply done is said, God, this is what I've been doing. Been working on this. God, this just happened. I just had this conversation. God, this is what I'm about to do. I'm getting ready to shift and work on this or, hey, I've got to do this the rest of the day. Or, but God, I invite you into this moment. You're here with me. This is not a spiritual to-do list, God. This is a relationship. And so I want to make sure we're good in this moment. God, I want to make sure I'm still focused in on you. Let me tell you what you don't have to do. You don't have to excuse yourself from the meeting and run into a closet. Okay, you don't have to go somewhere secret and pray. Students, you don't have to get up on the cafeteria table and say, okay, everyone pause. I'm gonna pray real quick, okay? Don't have to do that. Just right where you're at, just take a moment. Just between you and Jesus and say, Jesus, I invite you into this place. Invite you into this part of my day. God, is there anything you wanna say to me? Is there anything I need to remember? Is there something you wanna challenge me with? Because this is a relationship, church. And I wanna remind you, the enemy wants to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to use difficulties, the cares of this world, your lack of understanding of what it means to be in right relationship with God. He wants to destroy you. And we need to do things to protect our relationship with God because this is worth protecting.